2: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cullen. We've got Anthony Mangione. And how are you?
1: Doing okay, Russell. Can't say the same for the Flyers this evening. but
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can. And uh, we have Mike O'Jello, fresh off another uh, bowling tour. Mike, how are you? Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Um, sore
1: because my knee is still recovering uh, from a car accident.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. So you're
1: well, you're bowling under direct. Hold on, 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 on. make it straight. Both of you guys were in car accidents now, recently. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh no. Next. Wonderful.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> yes. Great. Yes. Russ, Russ, Russ's car was totaled, but my but my damage probably outdid his in terms of. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I didn't have any injury. damage. Mm. Yeah. I had more damage. Um, helping get a. Um, a hot water heater in and out of my house, and then to the curb. That did more damage to, more... to my knee than than the car accident. <laughs> more damage to his psyche. Yes. yes. Yes, the psyche too. All right, so let's talk about the Philadelphia Flyers, Anthony. Will uh, mm-hmm. tonight's game? It's just it, it's one of these things where you don't need an evaluation period anymore for the Flyers. They you know, Wayne Simmons has sort of lost control for the second consecutive game. He's just getting unsportsmanlike because, you know, he's he's trying. He, I don't know if he's trying to show up the ref or he's just, you know, he's becoming unhinged. We've seen Wayne Simmons become unhinged he's as far as
1: getting certainly getting frustrated. There's being no question boisterous about that. on the ice,
2: right? And, yeah. and and now it's gotten to the point in the period where, like Edmonton has figured out, hey, we could just skate faster than the Flyers. 'Cause they don't know sure. how to defend. And the Flyers don't know how to defend anymore. Like Sh- Shane Gostaspeer was trying to defend Connor McDavid and he had his back to him. He loses position. Puck goes in front of the net. By the time Gostaspeer sort of loafs over to the net, the puck bounces off of Stellaris' foot, goes right to McDavid, he puts it in. It's like the the effort is just it's just dumb. On on the first Flyers goal, Provrov was in the corner with I want to say it was maybe with McDonald. They're both in the corner. Nobody's at the net. Chason's in front of the net. Boom, goal. Like it's just, it doesn't matter that they have some new coaching. The, it, it's the head coach that's the problem. And for as long as they keep him in there, it really doesn't matter about the evaluation.
1: Yeah, you're getting. We're starting to get that obviously distinct impression that the. Um... That the coaching that whatever's being said now is kind of beginning to fall on dead ears. I mean, yeah. I, I I would say I, I do think a bit was to, a, a bit of starch was taken out of them the other night in Calgary though. They sure. had the game, and you know you lose it in that manner. Edmonton is playing also particularly you know well at the moment, especially mm-hmm. because they actually have you know they're adhering to defensive structure right now, and there's nobody better than 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 establishing that than a guy like Ken Hitchcock. That's and true. seems to be the guy that you know Edmonton needed for a long time. I'll go back again. So we talk about Simmons, the other player as well that I look at right now, and I kind of wonder where he's where he's going. Is, is Nolan Patrick in year two? Um, yeah, he's been a non factor He's really been very much a non-factor, I think, this season. Uh, other than face-offs, he's, he's any, at
2: fifty-three point eight. That's actually that's, pretty good. And that's, but other and that's, that, and that's so. a
1: good de- and that's certainly a good development. But again, at the same time, offensively, they 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 need you know. Yeah, they need more out of them. They, they just do. Um, it becomes very easy, as always, to match up with Philadelphia offensively because, again, everybody knows shut down Katori, shut down Giroux, and it's it remains one of the big key issues for this team is the fact that you know again dumb penalties, bad timing, um, and again Simmons who's desperate right now to try to get something going here, try yeah. to move the you know try to move things along for them. It's just not happening. And, again... And they've got uh, five passers it. on the power play. Like, literally, when they're on the power play, they will
2: pass the puck around for 40, 50 seconds until someone actually... And the thing shoots. I
1: don't understand is, like, the other night when they're having, you know, again, Dale Weiss, a right shot in the slot on the power play, and the way everything's set up, he's not able to trigger, even right. in, the, in the circumstance where you're for what, what you're trying to attempt to put together. And I think... Charlie O'Connor put up a really good point uh, from The uh, from, from the Athletic, really put it together. He says he's really beginning to become convinced that Chris Knobloch does not know how to coach an NHL power play, or at least based off the talent level that's up front, it's not being utilized.
2: In that's what I to, think of it. I, and, I,
1: and I completely agree with Charlie on that. Yeah. I, I, I'm really beginning to – it's just becoming an issue across the board here. Head coach, but also I think existence as well – and again, Rick Wilson's coming in off of retirement here to try to put some semblance yeah. of organization in the defense, but it's t- you know it's it's tough to put out a dumpster fire sometimes. Mike.
0: Yeah, I mean, all I needed to see was the last minute and a half of that game against Calgary, and what I've been saying the last few weeks, ever since you know the dismissal of Ron Hextall, has just came full full force. It's like. I don't understand because everything that we've heard since the hiring of Chuck Fletcher is that, and you know, things that we've discussed on the Buzzcast is that the Flyers are looking to make an immediate move to address things like their goaltending, and that you know they're hoping that in the second half or in the remaining 50 games of the season they can make up the distance and get back into the race. And again, I say I look at this team, I look at the chaos. Uh, defensively, I look at how frustrated they're getting. I look at the goaltending, which is a complete morass, and I say, why don't you just embrace this for the rest of the year and get into the Jack Hughes sweepstakes? But that seems to be, you know, completely, you know, that that Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren and Dave Scott are completely against that. And I think that, you know, hopefully for Flyers fans, a couple more of games like this and maybe they'll realize that that's the best course of action because trading for Jonathan Quick or Craig Anderson or trying to stop gap your goaltending and trying to get this team back on track,
2: I think it's too late for that. But you know, Mathematically, it doesn't look good, I will say that, and but they don't seem like they want to raise the white flag. No, part. they
1: don't want to raise the white right flag, especially, you know, I, I think... I do kind of wonder whether or not this is a case where they're just kind of sort of trying to keep themselves in it as long as possible. Um, I do wonder once you get past sort of where the league eyes would be on them with regards to, let's say, like the stadium series in February. Yeah. Um, although that would be late February, where at that point, once league eyes are kind of off them a little bit more, um, then maybe at that point they embrace it at that point. But there's too many times here, I think, over the next stretch of the season here where – they would probably like to avoid that as much as possible. Then again, you've got Chicago hosting the winter classic and there, they've
2: mm-hmm. got a record
1: even worse in this circumstance. And look between them and Philadelphia, Philadelphia's at 28 points and the Blackhawks are at 25 yet. They're hosting once again, a, um, a winter classic. So sure. maybe that's, you know, that it's, it's in that respect, it's just, it's difficult. And again, from Philly's perspective here, defensive structure has been the biggest thing I, that's been a bit, a bit of a concern. But, again, they need certain players to, to, to step up their game offensively. And, again, I know it's only his second year, but, again, I keep looking at Nolan Patrick and going, great, you're doing a great job in the face-hole circle, but you're supposed to be you know, top six forward here. We need, you need more out of him offensively, and they're not getting I,
2: I will say this. I will say this. Him and Nico Hesher are going through, like, a sophomore slump. Hesher's only got, like, 15 points himself.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, but, again, and, and again, at, at Jersey's also struggling, not tonight, obviously, with standing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, again, Patrick, 10 points in 26 games, minus four. Um, Hesher, obviously, struggling as well. Yeah, it's sophomore slump, but. For Philadelphia, there's a certain urgency that's involved right now that needs to kind of uh, – that has to start kicking into gear. And, um, and again, we talked about this with Bill Meltzer last week, um, how this – even if this is a 500-road trip for this team, it's going to become – it will definitely become too much ground for them to make up, and they're going to have to make a hard call at some point here with regards to the coaching or piece together some kind of a trade of some sort. No question. Now, one, one more – Flyers item, uh,
2: just because marketing always seems to be a big deal now, since we're in the gritty era. Because right now, Flyers fans are in the gritty era. You know, it's no longer the Giroux era. There's no longer. It, it, this is what what it is. But anyhow, on on Twitter, I saw there was a build up for the Stadium Series game mm-hmm. via the logo. There is now like a logo unveiling. I guess that's the Penguins to did the happen. same
1: thing too. Penguins did the exact same. Exact I don't get same. It. Setup. Why are they all?
2: Why are they doing
1: this then? I don't understand any of these
2: teams. What is because the big we're deal? are trying to
1: get some level of excitement of, of some kind that you know something new, some you know design. I mean, I said this before that you know the color scheme. If I'm reading it correctly, looks like it's similar to what happened when we when we were for the stadium series in Pittsburgh, which you yeah. know, the two teams will have some sort of a variation on each other's colors. So the Penguins wore gold. The Flyers, a gold, and then the Flyers wore black. In this case, the Penguins look like they'll wear black, and the Flyers will have some variation of orange. It's just, it is what it is right now. It's, it, it's trying to get any level. I, I, but even, in, even if the season, even if things were going better for Philadelphia, I, I still think this would be part of the pitch towards this. So it could be. I I'm just not, saying that right I'm now it's bothered, going flat. I'm not bothered by. I'm not bothered by it at all. I mean. I mean, the Blackhawks and, and and the Bruins were doing similar things as well for the Winter Classic. So it's just it's an event, and you know this.
2: Yeah, I'm just I, like I said, I'm I'm just surprised. Maybe I didn't see it for the other teams. That's fine. Yeah, the um,
1: Penguins did the same thing, and the Blackhawks okay. and and, and they, they did it. They did a they did their own. I mean, they did a full-on jersey reveal. The other teams had Yeah, the get jersey TV reveal. So. I understand. This was like just right. focused on the, the logo. logo. That's what. Got yeah, but that's, that's so. what they both were doing. It they both did the exact okay. same format at the exact same time. The Flyers and the Penguins did. So. Okay. All right.
2: Yeah, I, that's... it's one of those things. I guess I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. loving it. And Mike, you're not loving the um, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, there's a lot to like, but the uh, the game against Tampa did show off some some flaws. And look, a lot of teams against Tampa would would you would see some flaws, but unfortunately. Uh, the Flyers could face Tampa in the playoffs, and right now it doesn't look like it would fare very well.
0: Well, I mean, you look at the last week and they failed two tests against you know what most people believe are their two toughest foes in the Atlantic Division being Boston. And Toronto. I mean, they beat Buffalo. Buffalo still has a, a, a ways to, to to prove that they're a playoff team. They're doing very well. They're only, I think, a point behind the Leafs. But I think most people believe that they'll fall back a little bit, maybe into a wild card spot in Boston once they get Bergeron and Chara back. Um, you know, they've stayed in the race even though they lost tonight to Pittsburgh. They stayed within shouting distance. But they seem to have Toronto's number, especially at the T D Garden and they laid a whooping on the on the Leafs last Saturday and then Thursday in, in a game build as you know the two best teams in the league with the two best records. Um, you know, Andre Vasilevsky was uh, did his gumby act with with his unbelievable acrobatics and um, you know, made forty eight saves. And you know, the Leafs put on pressure. They had six power plays, they're their best, you know, that really awesome power play that they have could not break through on Vasilevsky. But you saw a team that is more battle-tested, more experienced, deeper, has a better defense, and only had 21 shots on goal, but was opportunistic and was able to seize on the few mistakes that Toronto made. And that's where I look at the situation and say, you know, A, are they playing Frederick Anderson too much because he looked a little tired and he didn't he wasn't as sharp? B, you look at the uh lightning defense and you have Hedman and McDonough and Girardi and Cernick and a couple you know, a couple, uh, Sergachev and you know, not even they don't even have strawman in the lineup right now. And that defense is much better than what the Leafs are putting up. And, you know, they were frustrated by Vasilevsky playing well. That was the only part of the game where I think the Leafs accomplished something is they had a lot of scoring chances and were just beaten by a hot goaltender. But you look at that, you look at that Leaf team and their fourth line is a weakness as compared to Tampa Bay, and that might be able to be addressed internally. But I, I think that if the Leafs hope to beat the Bruins or beat the Lightning in the first round or second round of the playoffs the 23-man the, the roster is going to have to be significantly changed before February 25th
2: because they're just not good enough to beat those two teams right now. Anthony, do you think Mike's being too harsh on the Leafs, or do you get a similar feeling?
1: Um, I think there's some – I certainly believe that the – I, I, I have seen enough positive elements that tells me that Toronto and Tampa – Would be an outstanding series. I think Mm -hmm. they did definitely run into you know Vasilevsky having his you know you know his Ken Dryden moments in in that game, uh, just or Curtis Joseph moments for that matter. The way he was the way he was able to stretch out with the acrobatics in the game, Um, but I do agree with Mike that the Leafs aren't quite a complete package the way I think Tampa is. Defensively, specifically, I think we're all, everybody's pretty much in agreement that the Leafs will need to make some level of uh, upgrades. Both, I think, in terms of defensive comportment, you know, I know there's been enough conversation about if Philadelphia continues to drop out, whether or not you know Toronto would have interest in Wayne Simmons. Do I think it'll be something that help improve the Leafs in terms of you know toughness up front? Sure. Um, defensively, Wayne is. An average player, so i'm not necessarily certain that that's going to be an area of massive upgrade for um for the lease if they went after Wayne uh in terms of that it would be primarily a- as an additional you know weapon up front uh, offensively but yeah, I do agree with Mike that defensively at the minimum that has to be that that's the area of focus that has to exist for the lease to be able to compete with the um with the with the Bruins or the or obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning or just again the Lightning especially are an absolutely complete roster.
2: Yeah, they're they're scary. I mean there's no question about it. They have team speed, they have defense. They literally just have to stay healthy. I mean that that's really the um the biggest deal. I noticed um NHL Public Relations tweeted something. This is interesting. So Alex Ovechkin, who I think got another hat trick, uh, is eighteenth different player in the modern era since forty three forty four to score twenty eight plus goals in his team's first 31 games, and third to do it since 93-94. You know, Jager did it in 95-96, and Lemieux in 95-96. And they had each other to work off of. Um, not to say Ovechkin doesn't have that. I mean, he's got Kuznetsov and a lot of great players, but I don't know if he has another Hall of Famer. Anthony, I have to just say, I mean, post-Cup, you would have to think now that Ovechkin would really start to start to get the status he deserves as we're watching one of the five best goal scorers in the history of the game I think.
1: Oh, I completely concur there. It's it's, it's he he could beat you in so many different ways and we've seen it over the years, but yeah, he's he certainly if you're going to say that the, the winning the the cup has kind of freed him up to really kind of be who he is. I mean, he's always kind of been an an offensive juggernaut type of player, but this year he looks like he's on an absolute mission to just ab- certainly I think he he's a threat for he's a threat for sixty. I think I, I really actually think he can he can make it it's possible uh, potentially this year. I think it's I think it's within the realm of possibility. If he gets red hot like he looked tonight and continues to do so as he's done for those, for the most part this season, you know, that's that's where we're at with him right now. And again, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they, you know, that they continue to ride that hand and they and, and and they go back and, and repeat, especially with the Atlantic potentially being the new murderer's row this season in the Eastern Conference, the Caps might have a row, you know, because of the Metro's setup this year uh, not being as strong, they may have a lot of energy remaining by the time they would play one of the Atlantic Division teams in the Conference Finals, and they could very well be on the road to uh, to potentially defending their Stanley Cup. Mike, what's uh, your thoughts?
0: Well, I heard a debate on uh, Toronto radio this afternoon that I think it was Ovechkin is 260 goals behind Gretzky. And whether, you know, at his age and what at the rate that he's scoring, is it is it within the realm of possibility that he could be the, you know, the highest goal scorer of all time? I mean, I, until he gets within a hundred goals, I'm not going to think about that, but if you right. just look at the pace of the, you know, the pace that he has scored at, especially over the last few years, I mean, his bad years, I think were 38 and 32 goals. And then it's 50 goals every year. And what is he? 33 right now? He was 2000. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's, likely that he can last until 38 or 39, scoring at the rate he's scoring. But if he plays into his early 40s, he might have a chance. And I don't know. We'll
2: we'll see. That's an interesting thing to to track. I mean, it's interesting just to even bring it up, I guess, because nobody's really brought it up for any player, probably in the last decade or more, that there's even some sort of shot. So I guess the fact that there's some sort of shot, does tell you something so yeah i i do find that interesting no question about it uh and we go back to the flyers and they they hired brent flair he's a guy that um i've had on my show hockey prospect radio a bunch of times mm-hmm. interestingly enough if you go back and look at at minnesota they've been a fair drafting team i would say they're like right in the middle again he wasn't in charge of player development so i can't talk to how players developed or didn't under him but as far as guys that they've drafted, they certainly had a good mix, and that's something where at least if you're going to lose someone like Chris Pryor, Brent Flair is good at his job. Obviously, he knows Fletcher really well, but they do bring in somebody that has a decent track record that way.
1: Yeah, and again, it, it, it's not you know necessarily – I mean, it, it was a move that we've all kind of talked about that was – likely to occur um i know there have been some scuttlebutt maybe you know they would you know i know they'd interviewed bill zito would he was he considering potentially a lateral move but at the end of the day um if you're a general manager you want your lieutenants in place the guys you trust the most in this circumstance and again from philadelphia's perspective uh from chuck, chuck uh, from chuck fletcher's perspective flair always seemed to be the guy especially since he's sort of had to take a little bit of a step back and the role. He still maintained his vice president's position with the while, but had kind of reduced responsibility. He wasn't really the AGM anymore. So coming to Philadelphia, he kind of gets that spot back. Um, it's going and, and and it's something that needed to happen because, again, you needed to make sure all the scouts are basically on board. We're at the point now where we're in December. You know, some work, obviously a lot of work has already been done, but now what is going to be the, philosophy, the drafting philosophy of the Flyers going into uh, next year's? going into next year's draft. And that's the thing that they have to take a look at here. So, um, again, I, Chris Pryor, as I said before, extremely good at his job. Unfortunate yep. that he was collateral damage in the, um, in the Hextall firing situation. Cause that's basically what it read as that, yes. you know, Fletcher wanted his guy in and that was kind of the way things were going to go. So while I don't know necessarily, I don't think, I don't know if Flair is going to necessarily have the same level of, um, won't quite be on the same level of impact as good as prior was, but we will see. Obviously, the proof will certainly begin to tell by the time we get to June in terms of the work that's been done. That that will be done in terms of how is, what Philadelphia's draft philosophy will be. Yeah, and that's something we'll
2: we'll start to learn about. I know that uh, Ron Hextall had mentioned there was supposed to be a uh, a scout meeting in January. Now I guess they'll continue that, and then maybe you know in a few months we'll get an idea of. What direction they'll sort of be going, in. I'm—I'm I'm going to guess they're not going to just pass up on defensemen to get snipers. But anyhow, we well, um, <laughs> that's, there's clearly that yeah, we're going no, to leave that—we're going to no, leave that, been been leave that area, to the Hurricanes.
1: That's been—that's been an area of of um of of things the Flyers fans certainly mentioned in the past that Philadelphia goes for the safe pick, and I still think there's. It's still smart for the most part to do that because, again, there's more of a chance of boom or bust, obviously, hiring, hiring in the draft for a guy, whether or not his offensive numbers, unless he's a more of a complete forward in this case.
2: Uh, yeah. versus just. And, and it was Tom Dundon
1: up. that sort of brought that
2: idea back up this week again that made everybody like me and other people have to sort of answer for it. But I did want to move over. Yeah,
0: God knows – God knows if Tom I... Dundon is, is, has come up with the idea, then it's got to be a good one. Uh,
2: I want to move over because I, I noticed that um, the Leafs had signed Ian Scott to a um, two or three-year entry level, but I noticed that it's, it comes under the guise of it's a Sport check player alert. So now, is is everything <laughs> sponsored with the Leafs? Even at ELC? Yes, everything. <laughs> uh, all
0: their all their. Yes, all their announcements like that are uh, sponsored by SportsCheck, and um, yeah, but uh, which hey, you know it's hey when you're when you're looking to maximize the 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 profit of the franchise, you're gonna you're gonna do everything you possibly can, and that's one of them. But just just talking about the signing though, it's like, and I wrote about this yesterday um I mean Ian Scott is going to finish out the year with with Prince Albert after the World Junior if he, if and I don't know if it, if the team has been announced but they said it was going to come down either late tonight or tomorrow.
2: Yeah, um, I think it's tomorrow. He's probably,
0: yeah, he's going to be probably the number 2 behind Michael D Pietro for, for Team Canada and right now he's had in the a, World Juniors. Great, we
2: should say that for the people the, that the, don't the, realize yeah what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, in, in the World Junior sorry. Um and uh, and and Scott has a you know, after I think he played one AHL game last year after his junior season had ended, and he he stayed with the Marlies through their Calder Cup run. So he practiced with them, and uh, that. And they worked with him a lot, and it's obviously it had positive effects because he's twenty. I think twenty two and one in the WHL right now, so he's having a fantastic year. But if you look at the Leafs organization in terms of their goaltending depth, they need help right now. And I wrote about this yesterday. It's like right now, um, at the time I wrote it, they they had two health two healthy goaltenders for the first time. Uh, all year, and Cascasuo and, uh, and Emman McAdam, and Cascasuo um, was, is sick or injured or something, and they had to call mm-hmm. up somebody I've never even heard of from the ECHL. So God forbid if Garrett Sparks or Freddie Anderson gets hurt, they have no NHL experience, no backup, no number three, no, nobody in the organization other than those two goaltenders with even a minute of NHL experience, and they're gonna—that's amongst all the things that they have to do before the deadline. Helping their defense and maybe adding some, uh, adding uh, some some uh, you know sandpaper to the forwards. Uh, you know, getting some depth in goals is also going to be a challenge for them as well.
2: No question. Last bit of business here, uh, and it's going to be a food item. There was um, there was something that I noticed when I was. Shopping around this week. And I got mint-infused devil dogs. And for whatever infused. reason...
1: Mint-infused.
2: Yeah, well, well, it's mint cream. I mean, they're mint cream devil dogs.
1: Mint-infused. But that's the way I like to call them. <laughs> mint- <laughs> C- crab dip Infused. <laughs> this is how you know Russ loves it. Because he called it... <laughs> mint- <laughs>
2: I do like it. I don't. I don't hide that. But it. But it seems to cause some controversy online because, like everybody is used to the old devil dogs, and I get it. Like I'm sometimes complaining about the 35 types of Oreos, but they did it for you know the holiday season. I like it. Now I'm just curious. I know you haven't tried it, but like just the thought of it, I'm curious as to what your opinion is of that.
1: It's a shame we're not doing this on video because my eyes cr- cr- will probably pop out of my skull from rolling so many times. Uh, <laughs> you could go look at the <laughs>
2: Buzzcast know. from a couple days ago. I ate one during the Buzzcast. It was, no, you, yeah. you know,
1: I'll, I, I will make sure this evening, you know, before I go to bed, that I'm going to go back and <laughs> check out that one. <laughs> I, I brought it Russell, out just whatever, to show people. Russell, whatever junk food floats your boat, man. I mean, I, you like to bust my stones about about my cheese fat my, my, about cheese. So go to town on your mint infused devil dogs. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, yeah, so but we know we know what would sicken rust. Is if they come out next October with pumpkin spice devil dogs? Well,
2: people started trolling me with yes. that. And it's like, listen, they—they're <laughs> not going to try and ruin their product with that. They're just doing something. <laughs> oh no,
1: no! Mint no, and no, chocolate no, go no. together. Well, you just—you just opened the trap door. <laughs> <laughs> but you mint and, just us, They are coming.
2: Hold on though. <laughs> <laughs> this, is just basic, this is just basic flavors 101. Mint and chocolate go together. People eat Girl Scout cookies. People eat – there's plenty of mint ice cream. Mint chocolate chip ice Brussels. cream is my favorite. Those are really – The rule of the world – Anymore <laughs> is
1: that there are no rules. It's not that <laughs> even just the rule of the world. <laughs> they don't these... care if it's a car crash. They want, they just want eyeballs and attention on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, but these are these are like hardened. These flavors have gone on for years in different formats and have been very successful. When has chocolate cake and pumpkin anything been a thing? That's what I'm trying to say. Well. I mean, personally, I find it disgusting
0: the combo, but <laughs> I find a lot of things with pumpkin spice disgusting, and that doesn't stop them from from actually putting putting them out. So, well, that's what about point. on the
2: whole? Uh, let me ask you the guys this, and then we'll we'll kill the show. Just as a whole. Oh Anthony, yeah, we killed what, it all
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> just as a
2: whole, what are your thoughts on the Devil Dog itself? Because I still will occasionally eat one. If I see them around, it's like, and maybe it goes back to the childhood. I think they're still pretty good. Do you have a thought about the devil dog itself?
1: No, because honestly, I grew up with, I, I, I know I'm going to sound like a complete snob. I grew up with Tasty Cake. I hate to say okay. it. I grew up, in South, I grew up okay. in South Philadelphia. Everything was Tasty Cake. So, I honestly, devil dogs weren't a real yeah. thing. When I was growing Now, up. Mike
2: certainly did. So, let's go to Mike. What, what are your no, thoughts no, we, on it?
0: We didn't have devil dogs here. I mean we had most of the hostess products, so it was like Ho Ho's and Right with Suzy Q's, I think they were. Yeah, like Suzy
2: Q's like, yeah, Suzy Q's was like um a more moist cake than the um Devil yeah. Dog but but similar. Chunkier. Yeah, so yeah, but
0: but yeah, that's what that's what we had and um, You didn't so I mean, you didn't have was, Devil Dogs at all
2: growing up either, wow, okay.
0: No, no, I didn't. But but you know, I mean, I, I liked Suzy Q's. They weren't my favorite, but I would have I would have given given it a shot just to see what, what it tasted like. And I'm not against the mint infused filling, so uh, I would have I would have given it a shot.
2: Alright, you guys could be haters. It's all good. I appreciate I wasn't a it. Hater. I, I appreciate the support or lack of it. It's all good.
1: <laughs> That's
2: it for off the post. We'll catch everybody next time.
0: Plus.